I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back. Okay. Now this is going to shock you, but I have a guest from Australia without nausea accent. She does not have an Australian <laughs> accent. So this is, uh, but she does live in Australia. So please give her a ton of kindness because she's, it's six in the morning for her and she's recording this, but this is Angela Henderson. And we actually met through uh, a mastermind that we're in called flight club. And, you know, we're really interested in like what we both do. Cause we both help a lot of women grow their businesses and she's got a podcast herself. What's the name of your podcast? It's the uh, Angela Henderson online business show. Angela Anderson online business show. So you can check that out and I'll probably be on there shortly too. So I'm sure we'll have an episode to send you our way. Um, but we want to talk about more leads, more sales and more money, because we all know that that is um, really important to having the life that you want. So tell us a little about you and kind of, yeah, I know you're originally Canadian, which I don't think we know need to know your entire backstory, but, um, but what, you know, what kind of gotten you, got you into this whole, um, kind of area of expertise with online businesses and helping especially women get more lead sales and money. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an ex-mental health clinician by trade. I used to diagnose people with schizophrenia, bipolar, autism, anxiety, etc. And when I had my first child, Finley, I just remember looking at the ground. He was playing with all these electronic toys. And I was like, surely there's got to be a better way than just battery-operated toys. As a social worker, I was like, fine motor skills, growth motor skills, etc. And uh, yeah, so I started my first business called Finley and Me. We started off with zero products. Uh, we ended up with 1,400 different pro- educational products by the end. Uh, which was a really great way to enter in, obviously, to the e-com space. I also learned very quickly the importance of having diverse income streams. So I also became one of Australia's leading parenting influencers. I was signed with Netflix, you know, Club Meds, Hilton's, Whole Foods, and things like that because I wanted access to my audience. So that was a really great way into business. I did that for about seven and a half, eight years. And then people just started saying, can I have a coffee date? And so business consulting was never actually on the agenda. But after 14 coffee dates and driving back and forth and paying for my own bill, I solely realized that, um, oh, if I charge these people <laughs> for this expert for my time, I could have a secondary business. So I started uh, Angela Henderson Consulting, where my aim at the beginning is, is I was just kind of working with anyone kind of to see like who I really love to work with and what lit me up. But now I specifically like working with women in business to help them make more money because I really want to get women to have the opportunity to get more wealth in their hands because the debt shows that when women have more wealth in their hands, they're more likely to contribute it back to their local society, uh, national and, and or international. And therefore, we start to make a bigger impact on the world and help you know, with that bigger uh, systemic change. So that's ultimately what drives me every day. 
you talk as fast as I do, maybe faster. I'm like, they're going to have to, luckily you don't have the Aussie accent. (laughs) Like they're going to have to slow this down. I was like, okay, I think I got you. So, okay. So 1400 products, which means you probably had a pretty big business. Give me an example. I'm just curious actually, but some of the products that were like to replace some of these battery operated products, give me an example. Yeah, so I, I teamed up with a lot of Etsy uh, businesses who were creating just like wooden toys. So they might be just like little like people, you could say. Mm-hmm. And the people would there'd be seven different colors, colors of the rainbow. They'd be all different sizes. Uh, and they might have like a blanket and they also might have like a little pouch to put them in. So not only would the children have to line them up from tallest to shortest or shortest to tallest, they'd also have to be able to use their fine motor skills to put them into those little pieces that I was talking about. But it also helps help prompt them with color recognition. So mm. that was one little like set that we would have. Uh, we would also work with an Australian designer who created these beautiful like uh, teepees. They were really, really big. And so they were, and so it was great for outdoor play. It was great for imagination. Uh, it was great for say, they did like picnics, cooking, etc. So again, allowing kids the opportunity just to use their imagination at their own will without it always being prompted by an electricity. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, someone telling you hit purple do this i want a kid to be stimulated and allow themselves to take play wherever it took them and how old was your son he was nine months when i started that business wow. and he is now is almost 14 is he the smartest child like on the planet now <laughs> uh, well i wouldn't say that finley's finley do you know what i mean he brings his own skill sets but he definitely will be a very clever entrepreneur as well that's, cool. that's awesome that's awesome well i mean i know that's you know we might say that's irrelevant but i think that is uh very relevant to you thinking outside the box um mm-hmm. finding a solution to a problem that you were aware of and also to something like to 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 basically create value that, you know, we saw need. So that's really cool. Okay. So let's get to, I know you got uh, like a whole system around it, but like someone's coming to you and let's assume since this is my audience that they're, you know, women and financial services or insurance. um, What is kind of, what is the core, um, let's say system as to how are they going to get more leads, more sales and more money? I guess the first thing that I'd want to say there is that most women, probably your women too, that you work with, they come to me and they're over overcomplicating their business. They're trying to do a million different things. And so the number one thing that I say, if you want to make more money is stop overcomplicating. Why? Because simplicity scales. And when simplicity scales, your product sells. And so the three core things that I want people to work on before I even get to my framework is all you really need to do in your business, in my opinion, is build your audience, nurture your audience, sell to your audience. The way that you build your audience, there's only three main ways that you can build your audience through organic visibility, partnership visibility, or paid visibility. You get to pick and choose which one feels right for you, which was in alignment for you, but ultimately you need a visibility strategy to build that audience. So build the audience. So you said there's organic, there's Uh organic visibility, partner visibility, and paid visibility. So I just Uh know audiences make sure they understand. So organic means that it's not paid. So that could be posting on social media, that could be going to networking events, that could be um, sending messages on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. It could be writing a blog, Mm -hmm. free speaking, it could be your blog, it could be a podcast, it could be a variety of things. But the number one thing that you want to do is that you're doing something that lights you up and that it's important, like you're in alignment. Because if you're doing things because you feel like you need to do them, you're going to start resenting it and you won't make money. You won't get leads because energetically, you're not going to be in tune with that. 
Okay. I love that. Awesome. Okay. And then a partner for them, like I would say that a good example would be what they call COI, right? The center of influence. So like you might have a partnership with a CPA, you might have a partnership with an estate planning attorney that you're referring business back and forth. I know we know a lot of things like joint ventures and things like that, but that's not a typical financial thing or financial Mm -hmm. advisor thing. And then paid visibility, um, Mm -hmm. it would be more like ads, you know, paying paying so people see your offer. Um, For you guys, you might, I guess sometimes there's... um, paying for butts and seats. So they do uh, like you guys listening, you know what I'm talking about, but because this is a little bit different, but maybe pay a company to fill the room as opposed mm-hmm. to filling it themselves. Like you might pay for a seminar and then, you know, it's one of these like lick, plate liquor club things, <laughs> you know, people come for the free dinner. Okay, cool. Okay. I just wanted to bring it home for them. Uh, at least that part, as far as building an audience. Okay. Then you said the second one is nurturing the audience. So tell us a little bit more about that. And I think a lot of advisors are really good at nurturing their clients, but not nurturing the audience. And we can you know, blame compliance for that or the fact that they're not usually building a list, but um, give some examples of nurturing um, that might help them that they can use. Yeah. So regardless if you're like going to a networking event or if you're building an email list, what happens is, is most people will go to a networking event and then they stop talking to those people. There's like no follow-up. There's like nothing. Uh, or they build a list and there's no follow-up nurture sequence. The reality of it is, is if you don't nurture your audience and you go to the third step of just selling, it's, it's going to be detrimental to your brand, your integrity, and to the conversion. So nurturing your audience with follow-up is going to be super and super important. Like, for example, nurturing your audience. I don't go to a bar, slap Johnny on the ass, and ask him for sex in the bathroom. <laughs> now, a lot of people might do that and hashtag high fives if you do, but it's like sliding into someone's DMs or going to them on LinkedIn and you've got no formal connection or you're not nurturing it. So you might go to the bar, you might see Johnny and you might say, Hey, can I buy you a drink? Can I get your phone number? Can I take you up to dinner? Whatever that looks like. And then you get might might get some awesomeness, right? But the thing is, is most businesses that I'm seeing is they're forgetting one of these crucial pieces. And in the world where AI is taking over artificial intelligence, in a variety of ways, regardless of what business do you mean model you're in. The reality of it is, is people want intimacy and they want connection. So I encourage people after you build your audience, what are you doing to nurture that audience and allow them to feel seen and heard in a way that works for them and will help you on the back end with conversion. Awesome. And, and actually, like, I think financial advisors get a pretty bad rap. Uh, around that, but like when it comes to networking and, and it sounds crazy when you say, you know, slap them on the ass and then, uh, you know, let's go to bed. But it is kind of how people feel sometimes with financial advisors. And I say financial advisors or financial professionals as a whole could be insurance or whatever, but you go to a networking event and then it's like sometimes like pounce, you know, like they're after you, like they want to talk to the most successful people. And I say they, sometimes this is kind of the old school financial advisor where oftentimes they're male. Oftentimes they just get in your face and you're like, dude, like stop. But it's like a numbers game, right? For them. And that's why it feels like a number. You're like, I don't want to feel like a number. I think Oftentimes with women, it's sometimes um, an overcompensation for that, where it's like, I don't want to be like that. I don't necessarily, I'm not in alignment, just like you said, doesn't light me up to go pounce on high net worth people at this event, unless I get into my extreme masculinity and like, then go, oh, let me just like, it's a numbers game. Let me go get 25 business cards. But most women aren't aligned with that. So they go to a networking event. They do what they do best, which is connect with people. 
but then they miss the back end, which is like how to actually drive the conversation or drive them to the next step because they're almost overcompensating for it because they don't want to feel like too pushy or salesy. Right. So I think there's like, there's a dance with that. Right. And that's like the third part, right? Is a lot of people can build their audience. They go and nurture their audience. But like you said, then it comes to selling or asking for that next step and they freeze. It's like paralysis. I'm going to be too sleazy if I ask for this. It's going to, I'm going to look bad if I ask for this. Women shouldn't do this. Whatever the story is that we have in our head. But the way that I look at it is, is if you're not asking for this sale, then how do you get to serve them your awesomeness? How do you get to transform their life better? How do you get to make their day-to-day life better, right? And so for everyone who has a problem with doing selling, what I say is it's, you're actually, you're doing a disservice. And if you struggle with selling, replace it with serving. Every day I get to wake up and serve my audience that I've just met at this networking event, something that I know is really, really great and is going to benefit them in their future. Let me, do you know what I mean? Take that next step and sell to them. Now it might not be necessarily right off the bat, hey, buy my shit, right? It could be that you invite them for coffee, get them on a Zoom call. It could be that through the nurturing process, you might send them, and again, I don't know what your budgets are and things like that, but it could be that you send them something in the mail that that makes you remarkable. And that's the thing is those men in those rooms that you talked about might be a numbers game and they might pounce, but there's a great book called The Purple Cow by Seth Godin. And he talks about, he's driving down this, uh, uh, the, the roads in France and he sees these beautiful green pastures. And then there's these awesome cows. He says, over time, those cows become boring, AKA the men in the rooms. But he said, so all of a sudden there is a purple cow there. Now you become memorable. Now you become remarkable. And so I want those women that are listening to think about when you're nurturing your audience and you're going to sell to them, what can you do that becomes remarkable? How do you become memorable so that people want you versus the people in those rooms that are pouncing? Yeah. And again, not even to say all men, of course, there's not all, all, and I'm not saying that you said, but I I didn't want to like say, I'm saying all men do that, but there's a (laughs) reputation, like there's a reputation and there is like, this is why I oftentimes talk about like the, the outdated and archaic strategies, methods, and, you know, marketing, marketing um, tools being taught in the industries because it's kind of like a, a numbers game. It's like, okay, you need 12 appointments a week. You know, talk to everybody and anybody you know, friends and family. It's not just like fair game. It's like your main game so you can survive, go hunt your family. You know, it's like, it, it's women don't feel aligned with that. And then they're supposed to be put in this male dominated industry with these strategies they're not aligned with. Like you said, I'm going to say it again. If it doesn't light you up and you're not alignment and aligned with it, aligned with it. Sorry, this is my third podcast recording today. And I'm like losing the words. I'm like, oh man, this is a lot. Um, but if you're not aligned with it, like you won't do it. And this is why, so, like I teach different strategies, like very similar to what you're talking about. But like, I love this because it's like, you got to stand out. And I talk about too, like standing out to the person you want to attract. You don't have to stand out to everybody. You know, you don't have to just like be the purple cow and be like, everybody look at me, everybody look at me, everybody look at me. It's like, you just need the ones who want to look at you, you know, and everybody else can think you're just a boring cow. Like who cares? Right. But it's like, what, why would somebody look at you and see, you know, your bling or her, your whatever, and be like, oh, that's, that's attractive to me. And that pulls me in versus just like, you know, dancing or whatever and trying to get attention from everybody because that's also another way to, you know, be doomed to fail. So I love that. Um, I haven't read that book, but I do like Seth Godin and now I put it on my list of reading. So very cool. Okay. And I want to also emphasize what you said, like selling equals serving, which is a really good replacement because most of the women I talk to when they come to me and they're like, 
I'm not a salesperson. Like, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't say you were a salesperson, but it's like, they don't want to be a salesperson. And I'm like, I love selling. I love closing clients because I believe like that is their path. And you said this, but path to transformation, like this is where they get to transform their lives is when they make that commitment to work with me. So I'm like, hell yeah, I want to sell the shit out of them in the sense of I want them to get their results even faster with less, less struggle um, to be able to do that. So you know, it's, I think most women, they don't want to be pushed. They don't want to be salesy and neither do I, but if you can be congruent with what you do and how you do it, giving them the next step and, and inviting them to that is, is a necessity and it works. Cool. I also would say that you talk there about like people don't want to sell or you're like, I love selling. I, I, I encourage women to think about this. I was going to talk about it later on, but I'll talk about it now. Most of us have had a nine to five job most of us at some stage in our life, all right? Especially those that are probably listening. And in our nine to five job, we had an interview process. We then had to identify what our KPIs were going to be and we signed a contract. And if we didn't adhere to those KPIs, AKA selling in this instance, uh, we then got reprimanded. Potentially we got written up or we got fired. So I want women to think about that. It's just like working a nine to five. If you don't do your KPIs, you're going to be out of a business. Okay. And so if your position description that you had in your nine to five job said you had to do X, Y, and Z, your position description right now as an entrepreneur or a woman in business is you have to sell. So we've got to find a way that's going to feel light and easy and an alignment for you so that you can do it. But selling is part of the job, regardless if you like it or not. Yeah. I remember when I became a financial advisor and, you know, definitely the vision that was sold to me was, was more like how you can help people, um, retire comfortably, send their kids to college, be able to buy a house. I'm like, wow, there's something noble about that because I did have this view of financial advisors as greedy and just wanting to make money. And then I was like, wow, this is something I can see myself doing. And I think every woman, at least in my world, like who is attracted to this, this business, this um, industry, it's they're driven by the transformation. But then it's like, well, there's almost like it was like a little bit, it's obvious, but it's not that like, yeah, by the way, you got to sell to be able to do it, you know, and really it's a glorified sales position and it's, it doesn't, but it doesn't have to feel that way. It doesn't have to feel like sales. It gets to feel like transformation. And, and I think it goes back to everything and not just the attraction and, and like every part of that system that you just talked about, but it's like to be aligned with what you're doing is really important, which is why I have this podcast, like growing your financial business, the woman's way, because I don't think it's being taught that way. And it's not in alignment, which is why you're sabotaging your success, you know? And it's like, how do you get to that point where you can be so successful? You're not sabotaging it. A lot of it is the path of the alignment. I like that you said that. Okay. Keep going. This is phenomenal. Um, you talk about self-sabotage. And I guess the next thing that I'll kind of go into is the, the, what businesses are doing is they're overcomplicating things that we just talked about. But the second thing that's holding women to making more money is there seven major mindset blocks that I see. And these blocks have come up in the hundreds and hundreds of women that I've worked with, right? And these seven major mindset blocks is I encourage you to kind of listen in and then I'll repeat them because you will have one or two of these, potentially three or four, you could have all seven that are showing up in your world. And until you address these, 
selling and scaling your business is going to be a lot harder. So the seven major mindset blocks that I see women have uh, is around self-trust, the belief in yourself, your growth and your integrity, self-love, the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. The third major mindset block I see is worthiness, the quality of being good enough. The fourth major mindset block is around money stories, you know, your negative subconscious beliefs about money that limit you from achieving your success and desires. The fifth uh, mindset block is obsessive thinking, you know, a series of thoughts that typically reoccur, often paired with negative judgments. Uh, The sixth is divine timing, the belief that everything in our life happens at exactly the right time. We try and always dictate that masculine energy and always make it, it's got to be just like this versus just letting it happen. And imposter syndrome refers to believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. You know, these seven major mindset blocks will probably show up in growth, um, sorry, startup growth or scale. They always will kind of rear their heads. And if you're not working on the inner work, if you're not getting to the root of what's causing you from not being visible, what's causing you from not selling, what's causing you not to do you need follow up on calls or do you need leads or whatever, this is where the self-sabotage comes in place. 97% of what our decisions are made are based on our subconscious. And from that, those primary factors that we see is safety. We don't feel safe. We don't belong or we're not enough. And so until you get to the root of where these are, and normally it happens in childhood, T2 type trauma, right? You go to show mom your picture and you're like, mommy, mommy, look at the picture I painted. And mommy's like, not now, not now, go away, right? I'm busy, right? Oh, mommy doesn't, the four-year-old brain goes, oh, mommy doesn't have time for me. I'm not enough for mommy. And now that's ingrained in you at the prime age of four. And now you've carried that in your suitcase until you're 40. I'm not good enough. I wasn't good enough for my mom. uh, Now I'm not good enough. Even though that was not relevant, but your four-year-old brain, that's how you perceived it to be. Or you don't feel safe. If you've grown up in a male-dominant society or male-dominant home, potentially, for example, I'm using this as an example, not all homes are like this, or in your guys' say, like, again, that old school way of doing things, you might not feel safe as a woman to put yourself out there. And therefore, your decision to be visible is already blocked because subconsciously, your brain's already told you to stop. You can't outthink your brain. And so again, if you're wanting to make more leads, you want to get more sales, you've got to get to the root of this. How do you get to the root of this? There's predominantly kind of four ways that I've seen. You can go do one-on-one therapy with a psychologist or social worker. And that's going to get you some help. But typically, as an ex-mental health clinician myself, you get to surface level. And I don't know about you, but if you've gone to therapy before, eventually you feel like you're just going to a session and you're retalking shit over and over again, right? Or it sounds the same. Kind of go, you go home for a while, it's a little bit better. And then you're like, oh, I'm back at square one. The next one is working with like someone like NLP, uh, Neuro Logistics Programming around mindset. That works a little bit deeper. It's getting a little bit to the more of the root. But in my experience, you know, I've done over 30 hypnotherapy sessions over the last few years. And hypnotherapy, you go in, 45-minute session. And when I say go in, I do it online. I'm in Australia. She's over in Costa Rica. I do it online. You get to the root of the problem and you're ready to rock and roll. And the last one is I work with healers. Uh, I work with different spiritual healers to do mean, go into different do mean, uh, quantum fields and things like that. So it depends on what you're up for. But if you don't address these seven major mindset blocks, whatever one's showing up for you, you will ultimately self-sabotage the success of your business. That's heavy, man. I mean, well, man. That's how it is. So, okay. So basically, okay, let's go back up. So basically what you're saying is there's these seven blocks and you said you repeat them. So I'll repeat them. And I think I got them, but self-trust. Mm-hmm. So let me just in my own words, cause it went fast, but like self-trust, trusting myself, 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that's easy. Okay. Self-love, not loving myself enough. Okay. I do. I, tr- I am just saying I'm, I'm now therapy, therapying myself, quote unquote. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to see what are mine. Okay. So like, I would say I probably have all of them, but um, just at different times. Right. So I yes. would say like, I have a lot of trust in myself most of the time until I don't. Right. <laughs> and then it's like, like, and I had one of my clients, she was saying like, I lost trust in myself because she was spending a lot of money and, and like too much money in different areas. And she was like, I don't trust myself. And so I was telling her, well, you know, first of all, I, I said, that's not true. You do trust yourself, but in this one area right now, because you've run a pattern and you're not liking the result and you're feeling judged by someone else, you're feeling like you're lacking trust. Right. Which also goes hand in hand with like self-love because it's like, I I don't love myself, which goes to the safe belonging and not enough of Mm -hmm. like, well, it's because I don't love myself enough because I don't feel safe or because I don't belong or because I don't feel like enough. And all of this comes from childhood, of course, but it's not like our parents intended to cause this exactly multi trauma as you said like this isn't the big like i actually had a um emdr therapist tell me that the big t trauma which is like uh you know the things like you got in a car accident as a child or you got molested or you know something horrible like that those are easier to overcome like therapists have an easier tra- easier time overcoming these because it's a very isolated event typically mm-hmm. and it's like if we can just reframe and help you um deal with and cope with and how you cope with this like this event it's easier to get rid of versus the little t trauma which is like things like that like you said i brought this picture to my mom and i was four years old and she looked at me like i was the dumbest kid on the planet i have my story i tell about how I was, uh, I wanted to be in the gifted program and this is a little older. I was 10 years old. And so I had this opportunity to like, kind of try out for it or do this oral exam. And they asked me what's a tripod and I didn't know. And I went back to my mom and she's like, how'd the test go? And I was like, well, they asked me a question. I didn't know. And she's like, what was it? And I'm like, they're like, what's a tripod? And she goes, you don't know what a tripod is. Come on, Robin tripod three. And you know, three fingers down. She's like showing me like, you know, try tricycle, you know, triangle, you know, like, and it would basically to me, it was how stupid could you be? Mm-hmm. And that was the, the lesson I got. And then I d- determined from that, I'm sure there were other things, but determined that I'm stupid. My whole life hid behind it to like, go get straight A's and to prove to everybody else that I'm not stupid because I knew the truth, which I was right. Mm-hmm. And my poor mom, who's heard the story a million times, we can laugh at it now, but it's like, she didn't intend to hurt me. It was just like, yeah. you know, her reaction was like, you know, how could you not know that? And and there's, I now know as an adult, like how my mom had a lot of issues, like feeling like insecure about being smart. And she doesn't think even now, like she'll say things like, well, I'm not smart in that way. You know, I'm, I'm a dumb, dumb, you know, like the, all these little things, mm-hmm. patterns. And I know as kids, like we take that on as if it takes away from our parents, but it doesn't take it away from them. It just puts it on ourselves. So like, uh, that's, you know, that, that's sometimes hard to get rid of, but as I say, the first step is awareness, right? Um, oh, 100% awareness. Yeah. And it's good. It's because it's like, for me, I've definitely, and I, you know, like to joke about things. So like being able to joke about that, but it's like, there was a good learning from it. And now it's all about learning. Okay. But let me go back. So you got self-trust, self-love, self-worthiness, everybody experiences no matter what mm-hmm. everybody experiences at some point in their lives, money stories, we all have. Mm-hmm. obsessive thinking tell me that one again like we just go in a circle about it's like, like a series of thoughts that just keep reoccurring reoccurring do you mean and often paired with like negative judgment so it's just like um it's still so early uh again enoughness do you know what I mean so like i'm not uh 
I'm showing up on the social, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough, right? I'm not good enough. I went, I sit up in the morning and I sit at my computer and I'm just like obsessive thinking about not being like my social media post isn't good enough to put out. My newsletter is not good enough to put out, right? Like I'm constantly just, it's like going around and around the circles. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then you said divine timing. I was a little bit confused about that, but you said not letting it happen. Tell me more about that. So like divine timing is, this is like everything is happening for us. Everything is yes. happening to mean exactly the way thing. So, it can be, but the, but the mindset block is, is when we try and manipulate divine timing. So people don't allow divine timing. They don't accept divine timing. What they're doing is they're trying to still control everything. This has to happen like this. The launch has to happen like this. They're really running from that masculine energy versus the feminine energy, right? So the, it's not so much that they're accepting it because that is a positive. You want to be able to surrender. You want to be able to receive. You want to be able to accept it's when they're blocking it from happening because they're still trying to manipulate and control everything so which we women have the tendency to want to do (laughs) okay i mean i'm not talking about myself at all just 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 (laughs) let me control this now um and then imposter syndrome i i've told this before i was i'm this um very high level mastermind and i remember this one woman who has a company worth 150 million was like saying how she didn't feel like she belonged and i was like what you know, like you, like, how is that possible? Like really, how is that possible? But it's like, we never can shake it. And so I think it's just, um, we all have it, which I think is good to recognize that like all of these things exist and we could probably have another 70 of these things <laughs> different terms, but I like how you made it easy to understand. But it's like, I think the, the big thing is you said there are four ways to get, uh, to deal with it. I would add one other thing that I don't know that you know, maybe you won't want to agree with this, but one of the things that I like to do, I I teach this thing called the belief loan phenomenon. And the idea is that like, we don't always have to shift the belief that we can borrow the belief. Like, so if you've done this and you've had amazing launches and you've grown a successful business and you made a bunch of mistakes and you share that with me, I might not be there yet, but I'm like, even though I don't think I'm enough, even though I don't have complete trust in myself and maybe don't even love myself all the time or don't feel worthy. Like if you tell me the system, like in how to do it, I can borrow the belief, take the action anyway, get the result. And once I get the result, then it hits my, my brain to be like, oh yeah, now I believe it. Cause some, and it's like, if it's really trauma, like we have to deal with all the, the therapies I think you're talking about and healing and stuff. But I do think at least, at least, you know, for the, a short time frame, like you can borrow the belief, take the action. And sometimes like for women, they need to see it to believe it. So it's like, I just um, met, I was at this vivid vision retreat and there was a couple there who they work with uh, accountants and basically did a million dollar event. And I was like, wait, like if they can do that, I can do that, you know, just because it's a very similar vertical. And the fact that it was so similar accountants and financial advisors or financial professionals, so similar, I was like, Oh, I can totally do that. That's like the four minute mile. It's like, I saw they can do it, borrowed the belief and haven't done it yet, but I'm like, now I feel like I can do it. But, um, but anyway, that's my little tidbit. So uh, I know we're already got a lot of time. I mean, we're <laughs> at the end of our time, but give us a lot. Would you have one more thing to share? And then you'll tell us where to find you. Or did you get yeah, it? I mean, you know, I mean, I think these will be the, th- the things that I would just start having the women out there who are listening, start thinking about, are you overcomplicating your business? Where are you building your audience, nurturing your audience and selling to your audience? Remembering that selling is simply serving and being mindful about where these seven major mindset blocks are showing up in your life and how they may be restricting you from getting more leads and more sales in your day-to-day business for both short and long-term growth. Awesome. Awesome. Really good, good stuff. Well, tell them where to find you. This uh, wealth of information here. And for someone who wants to help women build wealth, 
you only can deliver a wealth of information. So tell them to find this is great. Yeah, I mean, you can head to my website, which is AngelaHenderson.com.au. And from there, you can explore my podcast. You can explore my Bali retreat that I'm having in October. It's a four-day retreat over in Bali for women in business. You can explore working with me, or you might just want to consume my content. You get to choose what's in alignment for you. So yes, AngelaHenderson.com.au. Awesome. I will put that in the show notes as well. And other than that, we'll see you next week. Oh, let me just give you one last thing because I always want to make sure that you're getting as much value as humanly possible. Um, but I'll just lead you to one other podcast that was um, that I think is going to really help you. It's episode 105 call, called Transforming Failure into Huge Success with Mary Lyons, especially um, pairing this as far as like how to create that huge success um, with someone who was in the industry um, and bringing what you learned here today with Angela and bringing that together. I think that will help you dive deeper into this. So that was from January 18th, episode 105. But check that out and go deep into the content. Like Angela said, I think, you know, whether it's this podcast and Angela's, um, I'm a big fan of learning and being a lifelong learner. And so continue to keep plugging your mind and feeding your mind with the, with the stuff that's going to help you get that mindset in check, because that's another way to help work on these mindset blocks is to keep filling your mind with the things that are actually working. So um, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.